How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Had a very nice American Thanksgiving. Yeah? What'd you guys get up to? I got to sit home. Yeah? And it was cool. Yeah, I didn't get to do that. I actually had to serve 700 kids for that. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Not as hectic as Canadian Thanksgiving, though, but hectic nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Do you at least get some good turkey? I got nothing. We got no We got no leftovers because there was none. Oh, jeez. I know. Well, I guess hungry kids gotta eat. Yeah. So, Tim, before we do anything, I just gotta say, we blew it. How so? A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We've got our first interview scheduled for 2019, and going back to when we talked to Trevor Shackles and the guys from Maple Syrup Shots, we brought up the list. The list of the people that we wanted to bring on the show if we ever got to a point where we can interview them. We get to cross off one of the big names on that list on January 7th, and that, of course, is Pan from the Sens Call-Up. So I'm very excited to have him on because... As you know, Sense Cost was a huge influence on the show, given that the show kind of had like a template of how to do a show like this, and that's what I base it off. And I've always wanted to have Pat on the show, and I'm really, really excited to have him on. And I can't believe for the life of me, we did not mention this last week. Yeah. Honestly, I'm a little surprised too, but uh, I don't know. I think it'll be a fun interview. Uh, it'll be another one that's going to... Like, uh, it'll be another heavy sense focus, which was one of the nice parts about talking with Trevor Shackles, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And Joseph St. Amour as well. Um, yeah, I hope it kind of goes off into a goofy direction as well. I it hope always so. always makes that things more fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of Joseph St. Amour, we're going to give him a shout-out because he just signed up and joined Puck77, the hockey blog, and... He was at the Grey Cup there on Sunday. Unfortunately, his Red Blacks didn't win, but he got to go nonetheless. So, got to give him a shout-out on that. I heard, like, the weather wasn't too bad for watching football, but the field was still kind of eh. Yeah, that's what I heard, too. It was kind of... It wasn't as bad as when the Grey Cup was in Ottawa last year, but... But then again, you know, Edmonton didn't host an outquarter game, like, two weeks later, so, you know. Yeah. Take that, Edmonton. (laughs) I know. So now that we've got all that out of the way, Tim, let's talk about this week's cover athlete because today is Season 2, Episode 8, also known as everyone's following at home, Episode 36, and the athlete for this week, current Ottawa Senator Colin White. So i got to ask, what do you think about Colin White being our cover athlete for this week, Tim? Honestly, he's been having a fantastic season, and any reason more to talk about Colin White, the better. Exactly. And I mean, nobody has really taken the advantage of Jean-Gabriel Pajot's injury more than he has because he's really slotted into that second center role now with Stone and Chuck. Yeah, and he's going at like a half a point a game click, which is frankly great for a second line center. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So now we got to talk about next week's poll because it's going to be episode 37 and... We've got three names on the board. We've got Dean McCammon, Casey Bailey, and Corey Locke. Ooh. Honestly, I think it's pretty... We pretty much know who it's going to be, but... Yeah. It's going to be Corey Locke. (laughs) No, you're right, you're right. It's going to be Casey Bailey. Yeah. Come on, who's going to vote for the other guy, to be honest with you? Come on. Yeah, like, he played a lot of time in New Jersey. Who does that? I know. What the hell do you think he is? Martin Brodeur? Maybe. Maybe. So, let's talk about our week, Tim, because I've had a kind of a... I've had the greatest of weeks. As I said before we hit record, 
I was at the gym on Tuesday and lifting some weights, you know, get my swole on and all that good stuff. And I, and I can't believe I'm going to admit to this, I had bad form. Say it ain't so, Tay. I know, you know. It happens sometimes, you know. Sometimes I, you're being a little reckless, you know, the adrenaline's going, you're pumped up, you're thinking, oh, I could lift this. So I had two 55-pound dumbbells. Now, for all the people out there who's going to call me a bitch, first of all, fuck you. 55 pounds is still 55 pounds. I don't care what you ever say. So anyway, I'm doing the shoulder the shoulder press with those, and my back's sort of arched over. And I was telling you, my back didn't feel too bad afterwards. As soon as I got home, and I could feel the pain coming on. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, tomorrow is going to be a pain in the ass. But, but I got up in the morning to go play hockey. My back felt fine. My back felt fine. So I go out, I play hockey, I'm skating around. I get back to the bench, and as I told you, it was like somebody took a steel rod and jammed it into my lower back. Because I was like, fuck, why is my back killing me all of a sudden? And they're like, okay, you're up. So I got up, took two steps in the ice, and I couldn't bend my knees. And I was like, oh, fuck, this hurts. I got to get off. I'm going to hurt myself. So I turned around, swung my stick to signal I want off, and I laid on the bench. I literally couldn't move. I was on my back going, oh, fuck. And everyone's looking at me like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I think I either pulled something or I did something to my back. Oh, fuck, it was agony. It was awful. That sucks. Holy shit. Yeah, it got so bad that even when I went to work later that day, everybody at work was like, are you okay, Tay? I'm like, no, no, not really. I'm just going to try and uh, bend bend on my knee here. It's going to be sick. Fuck. <sighs> it was like one of those kind of deals. And so I decided to take a couple of days off from the gym just to rest my back and... I decided to go back into the gym today. My back felt, it's a little sore, but it's all right. So, but I am going to take a time off the ice, maybe give it a week or two and then go back on the ice, see how it feels. Cause I don't want to rush anything. And I looked it up on Google. I think I may have strained my back. I, I thought I maybe pulled something, but from what the symptoms are saying, looks like it's a strain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and well. I also can't forget, as you said about American Thanksgiving, I had to work with America Thanksgiving, and I know you were very, very disappointed to hear this, Tim. And I want to bring this up. I asked my boss about this, and he said, even though it's a funny idea, don't do it. I wanted to wear my orange cowboy hat. Aww. I know. Come on. You guys love that orange cowboy hat. We made you buy it. That's right. You guys did make me buy that because I was like, ah, I don't want to buy it fucking cowboy hat what do i think of a cowboy so the orange cowboy hat and i started laughing and you're just like okay you know what if you, you're still thinking about it a day after you best well just go buy it I'm like all right fuck and then it was like 20 fucking dollars yeah that was the part that surprised me i know that's a great hat everyone's like yeah high-fiving me and everything we're just laughing like fuck you guys kidding me right no, that's how there's that's how Stampede works. I know. All I was missing was an air horn, like Homer Simpson. <laughs> then you could really be your profile picture. Exactly. We're now, Marge. Where's my orange cowboy hat and air horn? God, Hi. I think we went and watched the Whacking Day episode like immediately after. Yes, we did, and we had all a good laugh. <laughs> yep, I love how it's like the like. Whenever people post it on Twitter, it's, like, never in context, but then there isn't much more context than that photo. Yeah. Because he doesn't even wear it for much more of the episode. He doesn't. He only wears it for the one shot. Yeah. So, now that I got that out of the week, Tim, how has it been your week? Uh, pretty quiet, honestly. Uh, didn't really do too much. We did Black Friday shopping at Safeway. Oh, yeah? What'd you guys get? Uh, they had some promotion on for a bunch of air miles, so we just had to spend 250 bucks. Nothing yeah. exciting. Okay. So it kept a pretty low key, eh? Yeah, and then we ended up getting some gifts on Black Friday. Ooh. So, I've got... I feel old now. I've got all my Christmas shopping done, and December hasn't even started yet. Motherfucker, I got all mine done in, like, October. Yeah, but I know, like... 18 year old Tim would be like eh I can wait till like after exams 
Yeah, oh, but shit. then again, you were in the school at that time, so you kind of you had a reason. Yeah, but it was also like, oh shit, letting it w- wait this long was a bad idea, and I never learned until now. Well, I mean, I didn't learn. Ah, Chelsea. Okay. Uh, you see, Tim, this is why we can keep Chelsea around, because, you know, she's great for these kind of things, eh? And I'd lose my head without her. Well, you'd definitely lose something, I don't know, but... Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. So let's talk about last week's episode, because, from what I remember, you were kind of running on empty there last week, buddy. What's going on? I guess I, I just wasn't sleeping well that week, so... I don't know, I just didn't have much energy, and it kind of shows. Yeah, because I remember even during the recording process, I could hear you yawning a couple of times. I was like, all right, you know, Tim's probably had a busy day at work, whatever. But then, yeah, by the end, you just seem so disinterested. You're just like, yeah, yeah, that thing happened. Okay, let's go with the close. Yeah, okay, I'm done with these guys. (laughs) But it's also... What's surprising was we had a win up that week, so you thought it'd be a bit better to talk about, but some of those games were just going to be eh. Yeah, I think, They're... you know what, I was actually in the same sort of boat because, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling, didn't have my mojo going that day. I was able to grind it out and, you know, get the W and all that good jazz, but, yeah, I don't know, I just couldn't get it together. I'm good right now, and I think it's been going good so far, so I don't want to... Well, we have uh, we have a hell of a top of the hour, too. Oh, my God, do we ever. And I feel that this is the time of the show where we should segue into that little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. So I just want to say, Tim, that, you know, I have to give to the NHL. They give us a lot of stuff to talk about in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, is this, this is another 15-plus one. Absolutely. Let's start off with, and this is sad because... Again, we're talking about a death, and this death was confirmed after I'd read Top of the Hour. So, TSN senior hockey writer Frank Silvini revealed on Twitter that former NHL referee Mick Magoo is being removed from a, from life of support following a stroke at the age of 62. Magoo's, Magoo's family has set up a GoFundMe page to help them out through this situation. And as like I said, uh, it was later announced that he had passed away. It's still sad, and my one... The one image I will always have Mick Magoo was the 2000 playoffs, Toronto and Ottawa. I think it was... Uh, who the fuck scored against Toronto? I can't remember. It was like Curtis Lucidich or somebody. And Cujo claimed that he was goalie interference, so he fucking whipped his blocker at him and chased him into the corner. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, and then Cujo hit the banana peel and went down. It was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I will probably go back and watch that tonight. But yeah, it's still a sad situation to hear that a longtime referee like Mick Magoo has passed away. Yeah, and 62 is young. Absolutely. Yeah, but then again, like, healthy people get strokes. And it's just one of those things that it's too soon, but what are you going to do? Exactly. But you know what? He had a long career, and I know 62 isn't a long life, but you know what? That's longer than some people. Yeah, and it definitely sound, sounds like he did what he loved, so... Yeah, and that's all you can ask for, that. right? Exactly. So, exactly, just like last week, we've got a couple of head coaches being fired. And we're starting with St. Louis Blues have fired head coach Mike Yao after two and a half seasons. Yao recorded a 73-49-11 regular season record, with a six wins, five loss playoff record in St. Louis, assistant head coach Craig Berube has been named interim head coach. So I just want to say for Mike Yao, first of all, thank you so much for all of your service with the St. Louis Blues and the time that you have spent as head coach of the St. Louis Blues. But I just like to say, Mike Yao, you're fired! Yeah, they disappointed last year and they didn't have the start they wanted this year. And if this you're coaching a team that you that has playoff aspirations, you can't have that happen twice in a row. Yeah, exactly. The knives were out for Mike Yao, and he kind of deserved it. Mm-hmm. Not to be outdone, though. The Edmonton Oilers have fired head coach Todd McClellan after four and a half seasons. McClellan recorded a 123-119 and 24 regular season record with a 7-6 playoff record in Edmonton. Former Blues head coach Mike Hitchcock 
who Mike Young replaced in St. Louis, has been hired as the new head coach. So once again, Todd, I just want to thank you so much for all of your time and your effort as head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers fans bid you farewell. But with that being seen, Todd, you're fired! Oh, I don't in any way, shape, or form envy whoever has to step into that that Edmonton Oilers situation. Yeah, but you know what? I Let's talk about it. I am surprised they went with Ken Hitchcock, in all seriousness, because Hitchcock has a real no-nonsense defensive approach that it kind of wears on a lot of teams because after a while, much like Mike Keenan, right, where he has the style of a very demanding head coach, and after a while, the players tune him out. But Tom McClellan, they also tuned him out because he's more of a player's coach, and Ken Hitchcock is a real kind of a disciplinarian and he just wants to coach by the book and go out there and play hard every night. So this could be a good thing for Edmonton, but who would be the, the new head coach after him? I'm hearing Joe Quenville. I'm hearing Elaine Vigneault. Who do you think is the next head coach? There's for? a lot of good names and it's funny that, well, here's the thing. And a lot of the speculation is he was signed to the end of the season because Shirelli's on thin ice. Mm-hmm. Shirelli deserves to be on thin ice. Yeah, because, you know, you see what he's done with the Oilers, right? And, you know, I mean, Christ, he turned Jordan Neverland Taylor Hall into Adam Larson and Ryan Spooner. Yeah, like, it's awful. And I honestly feel for McClellan because, other than McDavid, he's been given nothing to work with. Yeah, because, and even they said that on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, they said, outside of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins, they've got nobody there. Yeah, and, like, the defense doesn't exist. Camp Talbot is probably the only other goalie this season that would... I think he might be the only goalie who'd willingly switch places with Craig Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a bad situation that's been hilariously mismanaged. Like, I'm actually not sure that Craig McTavish was worse than Shirelli, to be frankly honest. Like, this is a situation that's been mismanaged by successive GMs, and, like, here's a guy who's uh, scoring on, like, over a point-a-game pace. Sorry, you've got two guys who are doing that. Like, they're just going wildfire. Connor David is near the top of the scoring again, and you can't fucking win. I know. I don't even know what to say anymore about the Oilers, man, because it's a real... and. And we're always the kind of people that go, oh yeah, Ottawa's a total dumpster fire. Fucking Edmonton's worse than we are right now. And we traded Carlson out of town. Well, to be fair, we say we say this, but we're going to go further down in top of the hour. And we're going to see some real shit. But yeah, Edmonton's just this slow burn, and I don't really know what to do about it. I don't know. I really don't even know what to say anymore, Tim. Because, like, they've got nothing. Like, I guess you could... Do they really want to rebuild again? I was always under the assumption they have been in just in a continuous rebuild over the years. Yeah, it's like, I guess you just got to liquidate it and see what happens. It's a hard situation because, like, the corner they painted themselves into. Like, imagine if they just didn't bring in... Like, they... If you just didn't do any of Shirelli's moves, mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers would be a better team, period. But you can't undo them. And, like, most of these moves aren't even hindsight errors. They're just errors. So, Tim, should we head on into the next story for Top of the Hour? Yeah. So this is actually a story that I added late because I ended up seeing his thread on Twitter about this. Former NHLer Dan Carcillo revealed in a Twitter thread the emotional and physical abuse he suffered during his draft year at the hands of his older teammates in the Ontario Hockey League. Carcillo went on to say that he was beaten with a sawed-off paddle of a goalie stick and was spat with tobacco spit with 12 other rookies in a bus bathroom on a road trip. Carcillo would later send a letter to the commissioner of the OHL, David Branch, who would later put rules in place implementing stiffer fines for teams caught hazing. Now, I know I mentioned this before we hit record that somebody had reached out to Dan Carcillo 
saying that, you know, it's so great that you're talking about this. And I actually reached out saying, you know, Dan, even though we do a Senators, I even though I do a Senators podcast, if you ever want to come on the show to talk about it, you're more than welcome. And he hit me back saying, thanks, Taylor. Appreciate the offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Hazing's fucked, dude. I know. And look, hazing is one of these things where... And I totally understand that this kind of stuff where he's pissed about it. But there's a total difference between, you know, boys being boys and then teammates just being dicks to each other. And I understand the camaraderie and, you know, having a good laugh at the expense. You know, you say jokes, whatever. But when you're doing physical shit like this to your teammates... That's just wrong, and I am. You got to give David Branch a lot of credit that he put his foot down and says no. This is going to stop because somebody is either going to get seriously hurt or someone's going to die from this. Yeah, and like the big thing about hazing is it's just the only thing that really perpetuates it's like, oh, this happened to me, so I'm going to do it to the next person as some perverse tradition. But it doesn't help anyone. Like if you're going to have like some sort of everyone goes through it through it tradition, at least make it fucking fun. Exactly, and I understand that Major Junior Hockey has come under fire over the last several years for stuff like this, and also um, their handling when it comes to abuse in junior hockey, most notably Graham James. So the fact that stories like this is coming out, and he's saying there's 12 under teammates that he went through. So I'm just wondering, like, do these teammates feel they have something to lose if they break? talk about it? Are they in a position where they're not comfortable talking about it? And Dan is like, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that, Tim? Well, I think the big one is, is like mixes of comfort. And Dan has a plot. Uh, Dan Carcillo has a platform. He played in the NHL mm-hmm. so that people will listen to him. Simple as. Exactly. And I know that Dan Carcillo went after, uh, you know, I was talking about it later with uh, spit and checklist. He went after them and, uh, was it Bar- Barstool Sports because of their views on CTE and concussions and he even got into it on Twitter with two of the hosts from Spit Checklist. One of them is former NHLer Paul Bizanet. And I was reading that thinking wow, like Dan's really on the, you know, he's really firing all cylinders here because you see guys like Bizanet and I'm so- I don't know who the other host from Spit and Checklist is but they really came to the defense of being like, no, like we don't condone this and we do think it's wrong. But even Dan says, well, you may condone it or your player does. Yeah, it's it's not cool. No. Let's go on to our next story, Tim. Former NHLer and Hockey Hall of Famer Peter Forsberg revealed in a recent interview that he had been playing his entire career with only 60% normal vision in one of his eyes to a congenital condition that greatly induced his eyesight. Forsberg recorded 249 goals, 633, 636 assists for 889.85 points in 708 games with Colorado, Philadelphia, and Nashville. Now, I would just like to point out... Shit. I would just like to point out... This guy recorded 885 points with less than 100% eye vision. That's fucking nuts. I know, but he did go on to say in that interview that he's glad he didn't have 100% because he feels that would have greatly shortened his career because teams would have forced him to be more of a scoring role of playing in front of the net. Oh. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Although, again, it's always hard to say, like, uh, what what would have happened had he been completely healthy? Because it's pure counterfactual, right? Exactly. But at the same time, holy fucking shit. Like, one of the most prolific players in the history of the league couldn't even see properly? Jesus. And he still put up those kind of numbers? Yeah, that's insane. Oh, it's totally insane, Tim. Yeah. yeah. Like, Tom Pied on the first line, insane. But good. Yeah. Former NHLer Yarmer Yager has been confirmed to be the official public face of ice hockey at the 2022 Olympic Games in Beijing, China. This announcement came after a meeting between Yager and Czech President Milos Zeman. Kind of oh, an that's... interesting choice, to be honest with you, Yarmer Yager, because, you know, you would think it would be like, say, 
a Gretzky or a Lemieux or even a Crosby, but Yager, I'm kind of surprised, but it doesn't really surprise me given that, A, he is European, and he's still playing. Well, I think the big thing is that, and you can see this with Chinese fans watching NBA basketballs, they like having larger-than-life heroic personalities. And that's Yager all day. Yeah. Like, Sidney Crosby, I don't think, has the personality to really be a big fat, like, be a fan favorite in China. No, but you would think somebody like Roberto Luongo could have been a fan favorite there, given how big a personality. Or an Ovechkin, or if he was still playing, maybe even... Well, I don't think the NHL would go with him, but say a Sean Avery, right? Because he was Sean such a Avery. big personality. Eh, but they also have to be good. So that's why Ovechkin... I mean, Sean Avery was pretty good. Yeah, but he's not, like, super good. Like, look at the way that Chinese fans interact with the NBA, and they'll have, like, these ridiculous nicknames for all the stars. Those are the players they care about. They want the winner. And he has to be cool. And that's why I think, like, Ovechkin and Yager really are the sorts of guys you want to be the face of hockey if you're trying to sell it to China. Yeah, actually, actually, that's a good point, Tim. I am kind of surprised now, thinking about it, that Ovechkin wasn't picked. But, you know, Yarmir Yager is still a great pick, and he's still playing, so... Yeah, the dude's a freaking legend. Oh, I know. And like, he still has a good head of hair, too, so we got to give him that. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely... I think he's the right pick for it, and I think he'll have a lot of fun doing it. So I kind of asked him, because... I, I was looking, looking at the story uh, story earlier today, and I was like, have we or have we not talked about this last year? Former NHL referee Kerry Frazier shared a story on the Players' Tribune where he recalls a story regarding former Calgary Flames forward Theo Fleury challenging him to a fight in the parking lot of the United Center after Game 1 of the first round of the 1996 playoffs between Calgary and Chicago due to Fraser calling a retaliation penalty against Fleury. Now, correct me if I'm did we or did we not talk about this last year? I don't remember talking about this, to be honest. Really? Because, I don't know, I looked at the story and I was like, I'm almost getting like deja vu looking at the story because I'm like, I swear that we talked about that. And I remember even reading Theo Fleury's book about that. And I was So maybe that's what I'm thinking about. But I'm like, did we or did we not talk about that? I couldn't, it was driving me crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, I couldn't. I can't say, to be honest. Like, I don't remember this. So, who knows? Okay. I just wanted to bring it up because I wasn't too sure if we or if we had not had already talked about it. Because it does seem like a story that we would have talked about last season. Yeah. It seems like it, but, yeah, I don't remember it. Hmm. Okay. NHL.com columnist Mike Zizenberger wrote a recent article regarding Toronto Maple Leafs forward Mitch Marner and his relationship with six-year-old Hayden Fulon. Fulon was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia when she was just under two years old, and despite being cleared cancer-free this past spring, it resurfaced again in July. Again, oh. we talked about a story last week about the acute lymphoblastic leukemia in the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's kind of sad that, again, we have another story referring to that disease. Yeah, and it's always sad when it happens to kids. Yeah, it's brutal happening to kids, man. Yeah, and then it came back, but again, it's oh, it's always heartwarming when the teams come and like when players go out in the community and are just present. Yeah. Because I think it does a lot of good. Absolutely, and especially when you have somebody who you can look up to, right? Of being like, like, look at a Max Domi, right, who was diagnosed with diabetes when he was a kid, and now he goes out to all these diabetes events and says, hey, you know what? Just because you have diabetes doesn't mean you can achieve in life. Just look at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always good to have those sort of role models out there. Mm-hmm. Columbus Blue Jackets captain Nick Foligno revealed that, that his recent absence from the team has been due to a health concern regarding his daughter, Melina. Melina was born with a congenital heart condition that threatened her life since birth, and she ended up in Nationwide Children's Hospital. However, her health is improving. It's good to hear that her heart's, the, the health's on the right way going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I've always liked that. Uh... Nick Foligno is a player, so I hope everything works out. 
Because mm-hmm, I remember when we did our top five favorite current slash all-time players, you put him in the current players category. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good, hard-working player, and it's always been fun to watch on the ice, so. Yeah. Former Taylor and current head coach of the ECHL's Newfoundland Growlers, Ryan Glow will be taking an indefinite leave of absence due, from the team due to a medical reason, according to the Growlers' NHL affiliate, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Clough, who appeared in 491 games, recording 112 goals, 197 assists for 309 points with three teams, San Jose, New York Rangers, and the New Jersey Devils. You know, I didn't even realize that Clough retired. Yeah, neither did I, actually. It's funny that you mentioned it. I was like, he retired? Yeah, but the other thing, though, is like, yeah, he was like one of those characters. Like, one of those guys you kind of underappreciated back when he played in San Jose, but it was concussion claimed another. Yeah, exactly. And I often wonder now with his health concern if this has anything to do with CTE, right? Because you see all these athletes that had all these medical conditions and it's linked back to CTE and head injuries. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm still baffled on how the nhl got away almost pretty much scot-free on the pa lawsuit i know and you know what i wouldn't be surprised if like i said last week if there's more players that opt out of that and try and go after the league for more yeah no kidding so the next two stories and we're talking about the spit and chicklets podcast and i actually got a chance to listen to their most current episode because i've heard so much about them and i think we may have talked about on the on the show and I think you had a less than favorable review on them. It was like, yeah, it's just like the brolification of hockey podcasting. And I, was that you who said that? It might have been me. Yeah, I think that, I think it was you who said that. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? There's two stories. I want to listen to the episode so I have a frame of reference for talking about these stories. And we're going to start off with former NHLer Mike Commodore was on a recent episode of the Spit and Checklist podcast where he shared a story regarding Mike, Ga- Mike Babcock's treatment of Hockey Hall of Famer Mike Medano during his chase to reach 1,500 NHL games. Commodore claimed that Babcock scratched Medano for one game after he returned from injury, and Babcock was fully aware that this would ruin Medano's chance to play game number 1,500. This doesn't surprise me that Mike Commodore once again is throwing shade at Mike Babcock because he has had a very noted hatred of Babs. Yeah, and I don't really get it. Like, is there any, like, has has either side really spoken about why they had such bad blood or? No, I don't think so. I think maybe Commodore has, and I think Commodore didn't trust Babcock and he didn't like the treatment of some of the players in the Red Wings that when he was the head coach. But I'm, I'm thinking maybe that was it, but I haven't found any real concrete reasons why. If anybody listening out there knows of any concrete reasons, you can shoot me a DM at Great White Gipster on Twitter, and uh, I'll bring it up on the show next week. Yeah, although it's like Mike Commodore is another one of those guys that's just kind of, he chirps a lot and bounced around a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I guess one thing I, I was never settled down that, Mike Madonna never played his 1500 game. And you know, I didn't even realize that until I read that story. And then I looked at the stats like, holy shit, he really didn't play 1500 games. He only played 1499. Yeah. So maybe Babs was doing it out of spite. I don't know. Madano hasn't come out and said anything. Babcock obviously isn't going to come out and say anything. So I don't know. Maybe this is just another story of Commodore hating on Babcock. Maybe. Again, it's really hard to say without the actual players. Exactly. Former NHLer Ryan Whitney also shared a story on the on that recent episode of Spit and Chicklets of how his former teammate Yarko Rutu embarrassed him during the Penguins' rookie dinner back in 2006. Whitney revealed that he was catfished and later sexted with a woman that later turned out to be Rutu punking him. Now, I heard this story and I was thinking, there's two sides of that. There's... The one side of me is thinking, wow, this is a real dick move by Rutu. But the way that Whitney told the story on the podcast, I had a good laugh. I was like, okay, he obviously didn't take that very seriously. And he's just like, you fucking asshole. Like, can't believe you fucking did that to me. Well, I'm also surprised that Yarko Rutu went that goddamn far. I know, but honestly, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that would do that. Yeah, but like to go all the way to actually start sexting. 
I know, and he even, during that dinner, apparently brought it up and started reading it out, and Whitney, Whitney's like, fuck, that sounds so familiar. Oh, shit, that's me. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I know. I did, I got a chance to listen to the full episode. It's, it's all right. I wouldn't listen to it all the time, but for the episode, I did it. I guess it depends on the players, but yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not a big biz nasty person. Yeah, he is very polarizing, although they did a really good interview with Brian McGratton, and he talked a lot of stories about Ray Emery on that. Huh? That's interesting. Yeah, so if anything, we got a Brian McGratton interview out of that, so that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Elliot Friedman reported that the Vancouver Canucks have replaced CEO Jeff Stipek with former Chief Revenue Officer Trent Carroll. Friedman also reported that longtime Canuck executive T.C. Carling has also left the organization. So I had to like, what is a chief revenue officer, Tim? I knew it. I could have Googled it, but I was like, eh, I'm not going to do it. I'll ask Tim on the show. It's not a common term, to be honest. Uh, usually, your chief, you usually have a CFO, a chief financial officer. Yeah. I would assume that they have their accounting broken up such that one per, like, you have a chief guy on the board that's in charge of looking at revenue money coming in. And you have someone looking at money going out. I'm not entirely familiar with the Canuck structure, so it does it does seem a little odd. Uh, any do you know why the CEO like did the CEO step down or was he removed? I didn't really see anything. I know from what I read that TC Caroline left because he's really tight with Trevor Linden, and Linden uh, left on such bad terms that he was just like, "No, I'm going with Trevor." Okay. San Jose Sharks defenseman Mark Eldwaddle Vlasic made comments following the Sharks game versus Vancouver in which Vlasic claimed that Canucks agitator Antoine Roussel had bit him during a tie-up. Sharks beat reporter Kevin Kern stated Vlasic showed him the mark on his hand. A video later came out showing Roussel biting Vlasic and was later spined $5,000. What is it about the Canucks agitators and biting people? We had Alex Burrows. We got Antoine Roussel. Who's the next guy to bite him? I don't know. I forgot about the I forgot about the Burroughs bite. I know. Remember when that was like a thing for like a day during the finals? Yeah. It was funny. It was funny to be honest with you. That whole that whole finals was weird. Like remember that woman who got ejected for flashing the penalty box? Yeah. Remember the guy remember the girl during the last year's finals who flashed the Washington Capitals? Oh, yeah, but they had at least won the Stanley Cup. That is true. I love that. It's like everyone's looking at the cup, but I think it's Johansson's looking at the boobies. He's yeah. like, yo, check that out. And Novi's like, oh, hey. Yeah, Pri- <laughs> priorities, buddy, priorities. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I'm not a Canucks fan, but there was just so much shit that happened around the Canucks that year that I think I will remember everything to do with that cup final for – a very long time. Mm-hmm. And they've well, got like, a good young team at the moment who are doing really well, so I'm excited yeah, to watch them in February. Yeah, especially with Elias Peterson. Oh, I know. That guy's going to be good. Oh. Well, that's someone that the Canucks can hopefully build around. Mm-hmm. Because they already got uh, Horvat and Besser and Thatcher Demko there, so you could definitely build around those four guys. Yeah, and at this point, I think it's just flush the plugs. Pretty much. Los Angeles Kings have traded Pavel Janssens to the Minnesota Wild for Stefan Vlasokili. Janssens recorded four goals in nine games for the ECHLs, Allen Americans, and Vlasovsky recorded three goals, three assists, or six points in 14 games for EA, ECHLs, Manchester Monarchs. It's a nothing trade, to be honest It's with a you. nothing trade, yeah. But you know what's weird? The next trade? Not the next trade, but I know this is just a fig leaf for the next trade, but... You know what's weird? The Manchester Monarchs used to be an, an AHL team. Have you ever just decided that you don't want to play in the good league that makes a bit more money and go to the crappy league that makes less? I honestly thought that maybe they were doing it with the, like they do it in Europe with the, you know, like the last place team would go. The to relegations? The yeah, the relegation system, which it's funny. My cousin's wife asked me, like, why doesn't the NHL do that? And I'm like, because they would lose so much money. Teams would go under in such a hurry that it's not, there's no point. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not like well. 
you know, maybe it'd be a different revenue structure, but it's, yeah, I always do wonder, like, what would North America, well, like, North American sports would be really different because you wouldn't have, a... I'm not sure you'd have a draft system quite the way that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a very different look, let's just say that. Yeah, there should be a podcast out there that should do an episode that just talks about what if relegation was a thing in American sports. We could be that podcast. We could be that podcast. We might have to think about that. But until then, yo, do you want to? Yo, do you want to do that as a summer episode? We might have to do it as a summer episode. Yeah, there right you go, down. ladies and gentlemen. Your first summer episode confirmed, right here. What if the NHL had re- relegation? Yeah, fucking Edmonton would have never came back. <laughs> Edmonton, Arizona, Florida—all those fucking teams would have been gone years ago. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Well, let's finish off top of the air with some send stories. Ottawa Senators have traded defenseman Chris Weidman to the Edmonton Oilers for a 2020 sixth-round pick. Weidman recorded two goals, three assists for five points in 19 games for Ottawa this season. Now, I'm just going to state this right now. I feel for Weidman because Weidman really got the short end of the stick. He was injured all of last season. He comes back. He's played as more of a seventh defenseman. The Uber video comes out. And that was the end of it, right there. They cast him aside. Yeah. And, like, the big thing is, it's like, out of the defenseman they had, Weidman was having a hell... He, he was fighting it this season. Like, truth be told, wasn't having a great season. No, but his anchor was Mark Borowiecki. Yeah, pretty much. He's not the worst defenseman on the team. I understand you're looking to shake it up. You could have waited... Or traded something for more value, or looked for something that would have actually been addition by subtraction. Cough, cough, Borbietsky, CC. Frankly, the Senators were better with Weidman on the ice than they were without him. Mm-hmm. And I know that uh, I reached out to our bod Dave, former the Maple Syrup Shots, and I just said, hey, heads up on Weidman. He's a solid third pairing defenseman who can play second pairing minutes. He's not a top defenseman, so don't even think that Edmonton's going to get one. And Chris Weidman. No, and I really hope that Malkin didn't just send his career down the tubes, because I do like Chris Weidman. I like Chris Weidman too, but given that he was the most vocal one in the Uber video, I'm not surprised that they got rid of him, and I knew that his days were numbered after that came out. Yeah, and it's really not fair. Yep. You know what's also not fair, Tim? Let's not getting a downtown arena! Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, the National... Co- National Capital Commission Board of Directors revealed on Thursday that at the meeting to receive an update to the plan for development on a new downtown arena in Ottawa, it was revealed to the NCC that Rendezvous Le Breton partners were unable to resolve their internal partnership issues, which translate to fucking Eugene Melnick fucked us again because he's, no, he's a cheap prick who doesn't want to give us money. So let's talk about this, hey? So what happens on Thursday is the NCC is like, okay, they haven't resolved, we're moving everything along as planned, all of our applications are going the way we want, the city's moving well. It's the priv- It's the people who actually stand to make the money are the problem this time around, and that rarely happens. Uh, basically, everyone was shocked that the NCC actually looked somewhat together and efficient, which never fucking happens. Literally, so, so the NCC's like, okay, they have until January to get to get their internal internal discord sorted or we'll be looking to amend the process with either someone else restart the bid who knows literally one day later eugene melnick sues ruddy and the rest of the group for 700 million dollars yeah and actually somebody posted on twitter and they made an interesting point and it says think of it this way if he wins that lawsuit he now can afford to put a good team on the ice if he can't afford it, he has to sell the team. Pretty much. And you know what's fun? What? If you look through the damages he's asserting, he's basically saying that Ruddy's building is basically Ruddy bought some land across from Lower Breton is building another tower. It'll be one of the t- tallest buildings in Ottawa. So Melnick is suing Ruddy for throwing up this building, alleging that there's not enough demand and this will just suck out all of the all of the interest in LeBreton. And his tower in Le Breton. It's basically a problem because he's he can't throw up the building, 
and market it. And the problem is, is that I do housing research for a living. I don't think that's true. Auto is a market that's just going to continue to grow for the next 10 years. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you see a lot of younger people maybe moving into downtown Ottawa or do you see them or is it that the, the price of living in downtown Ottawa is going to get too high where people just can't afford it? Prices have gone up in Ottawa a bit, but it's still it's still a fairly affordable city. Uh, especially compared to Toronto and Vancouver, like your average price in Ottawa is like I want to say like four hundred thousand for a single detached home, which isn't that bad. Condos are still pretty affordable, and you're get the federal government just keep like the federal government's getting bigger. Uh, there's more. They're trying to attract more different type. They're trying to differentiate Ottawa from just being a government town, so that's going to bring more people into Ottawa. The city's going to get bigger, so there's going to be demand for these units. So I think this is... Melnick didn't actually have money for the development, and I'm not sure if this is him saving face or doing what, because he doesn't want to admit that he can't actually afford the damn thing. That also does put... You really have to look at... Like, if I'm if I'm the other NHL owners, I'd be pushing Batman to get involved at this juncture. Mm-hmm. Because watching an owner just flip his shit and, like, kibosh... A new arena that everyone wants is gonna that's gonna put a damper on city councils dealing with like other sports owners. Like if they were already not really down with it, they're gonna see this as like, oh, all these guys are jackasses and we're gonna get stung in some way. That's all the ammo you need. It's like, oh, look at Ottawa. So like if I'm the other owners, I'd be like, Okay, Mr. Bettman, you need to do something here. The third point and I think this is probably the funniest end, the silver lining of this shit cloud, is that, well, Melnick can't move the team because he can't afford it. Yeah, and even if he tries to move the team, he has to get the approval of the Board of Governors, and the Board of Governors hate Eugene Melnick. Yeah. Like, frankly, his days are numbered. Yeah. Well, but then again, we've been saying that for years, and... Actually, our bud Dave, bringing it back to him, he sent me a DM that says, can you imagine what the centers would be like if you guys didn't give Melnick a liver? And I said, yeah, we blew it. I don't know. That's just, I still think that's fairly crude. Like, yeah, it sucks. Like, it sucks the guy's a major fucking prick. But I don't think he deserves to die over it. But you'd think that he'd be a little more grateful to the people who saved his goddamn life. Nope. Nope. But, uh, I don't know. At this point, it'll be interesting to see what the next group does with the LeBreton proposal. Mm-hmm. But development of that site has probably been pushed back three, four years. Yeah, and I mean, now you got to understand, if a new ownership group comes in, they have to pay off the outstanding debt that Melnick put the team in. So you have to pay that off. Then you have to put money into the team, you put money into the LeBreton Flats, get a downtown arena, because if you do that, I the fans will come because the fans will support it. It's That's just an expensive proposition. I know. Yeah, it's... The Senators are hit up behind. Yeah, well... Who knows, maybe one of the financial institutions that's underwriting the debt will be willing to... <laughs> will be willing to write some of it up, some of it off if a new ownership group comes in yeah maybe well tim that wraps up top of the air and now let's go on to talk about the three games we're going to talk about this evening we've got the panthers versus the senators senators versus the wild and the senators versus the stars but before we do that let's hit the music time to play the game time to play the game Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Panthers versus the Senators. This is a 7-5 Panthers victory. Panthers scored was scored by Alexander Barkov, Troy Brower, Evgeny Downinoff, Michael Haley, Jared McCann, Frank Ventrano, and some guy by the name of Mike Hoffman. Senators goals were scored by Matthew Shane with two, Drake Batherson, Zach Smith, and Chuck Amania. Shot for 38-32 for the Panthers. 
Matt Duchesne gets Ottawa on the board first to make it 1-0 Senators, getting behind the defense. Brower scores to tie it at 1. Alexander Barkov scores to make it 2-1 Panthers on a rebound. Jared McCann scores to make it 3-1 after Florida clears it and catches Ottawa on the line change. Dadanoff scores to make it 4 to yeah, Danoff scores on to make it 4-1 with 0.3 seconds left. Duchene scores a second of the night to make it 4-2 on a wide open net. Batherson scores to make it 4-3 on a tic-tac-toe play. Michael Haley scores to make it 5-3 Panthers. Vetrano scores to make it 6-3, which gets Anderson pulled. Zach Smith scores to make it 6-4 after Puck bounces off him. Duchuk cleans the rebound to make it 6-5 and Hoffman scores to make it 7-5 Panthers, which would be the final. So I had to condense watch this because last week we were doing third line plug on this game. So let's talk about the elephant in the room. This was Mike Hoffman's first game back in Ottawa. And I want to ask you, after he scored, he eyeballed the bench. Do you think that that was his way of saying, hey, fuck you, you know, giving him a big fuck you, or what was it? Well, that's probably it. And more power to him. Yeah, but you know what? It's because of his fucking fiance's why he's not here. So what the hell is he eyeballing the sense for? It's ultimately, you know, he's guilty yeah. by association, Tim. Well, I mean, what the fuck's he supposed to do if his ex is crazy? Sorry, his girlfriend's crazy. I would say dumper, maybe? Or... But, then yeah. again, she, but then again, he's engaged to her, so, you know. Well, the other thing is, like, the, the whole situation was fucked. And it's, yeah, I guess he could have done more, but I don't know if, like, if you kind of get pushed out the door under a bad situation that wasn't entirely your fault. Because, like, at the end of the day, if your wife's accused of doing something shitty and she says she didn't do it, like, the more I think about it, it's like, Hoffman's in a fucking awful position. Mm-hmm. Like, I really do feel bad for Mike Hoffman, because, like, you can't not trust your wife. No, but the thing is, when we talked about this a while back, and I made the point of saying, you know, that you need to stick by your wife, but you said if Chelsea was caught doing this, you would have had nothing to do with that. You would have like, no, this is not somebody I want to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah, but the more it, like, I guess the more it comes out, though, it's like, I don't know, it's hard, because, like, the more you think about it, the further you get away from the situation, the more you realize, like, Maybe it's not as cut and dry as we initially thought, but it's it'll be interesting to see what actually comes out of the court proceedings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if it comes out that she in fact did it, well, Mike, he's gonna if that's what he was doing. Yeah, he's gonna look a fool doing that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, let's go to the defense for a bit, Tim, because this this week I don't know what the fuck happened to our defense, but I am I am gonna call this episode. Season 2, episode 8. Where the fuck's the defense? Or what the fuck is defense? You mean... Or how about uh, season 2, episode 8? Oh, shit. That's a, not a bad title, actually. I'll definitely consider that when I name the episode. Yeah. In the immortal words of Craig Anderson. <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. Actually, oh, shit. speaking of Craig Anderson... And, you know, I'm always somebody... I always come to the defense of Craig Anderson this year because... Even though the team lets up 50 shots, I always feel that there's not much he can do on it. He looked terrible in this game. Yeah, six goals on 22 shots. It's not a great outing. I'm sorry, Craig, but you know what? When you're doing that, buddy, I can't even defend you anymore. Yeah, but then again, it's they let a lot of shots go at him, especially in that first period. Mm-hmm. What was nice, and you kind of see this in... You're going to see this trend for most of the games this week. At least the Sens offense was firing high high enough to make these games not look god-fucking-awful. Yep, and I have that in my note. I says, the Ottawa way. Get down by a couple of goals. Come back. Can't finish. Yeah, and it's you'll see that in all three games. Is as soon as they get that comeback goal, eh. Yeah. They kind of stop. Exactly. Uh, quickly before we go into our next game, Matthew Shane with two goals. He looks solid, and he's a guy who has been really impressing me this season, and I really hope that they sign him. Well, I think Matt Duchesne is pr- he's near the top of the scoring race, if I remember correctly. 
I'll have to double check on that, so I'll take your word for it. But from what I understand, they are in talks with him right now to re-sign yep. him, and it's not here. I'm hearing it's it's not going too badly. So yeah, Matt Duchesne's top ten scoring. Oh, awesome! Yeah, he's eight eighth in total points, and I think. Where the hell is he in goal scored? Oh, I can't see him on this list, but whatever. Uh, Thomas Shabbat is tied for sixth in total assists. Oh, and believe me, man, we are going to talk about him in the next game because yeah. I thought he, he looked was decent. Fantastic. Oh, he was. Let's go on to the next game. Senators versus Minnesota. This is a 6-4 to four wild victory. Sands goals are scored by Hudson Bacho. Christian Yaros, Chris Tierney, and Colin White. Wild goals were scored by Matt Dimbo with two, Eric Stahl with two, Jordan Greenway, and Eric Fair. I didn't even realize Eric Fair is still in the league. Shots were 33-27 for the Minnesota Wild. Minnesota outplayed Ottawa for most of the game due to Ottawa's defensive woes in this game, despite having a strong offensive game, especially in the third period. Minnesota came ready to play in this game and were able to get a number of scoring chances throughout the game. Once again, Ottawa's defense, absolute hot garbage to start off, but it did slowly improve. And offensively, I thought they looked really decent, and they grinded it out and were able to tie it in the third period. Holy fuck, Cody CC had a game. 25 Corsi. 25% Corsi 4. Behind the team by a wide mile. No points. Yuck. Yeah. You know what was also yucked him? Doomba versus the Chuckamania. This was Ooh. bullshit because Matt Dumba cross-checks Dechuk from behind. No call. Dechuk answers, gets called for roughing. What kind of sense does that make? The referee was standing right there when he got cross-checked. You're always going to get that instigator call. Like It doesn't really matter like, if you're in the right or the wrong, but just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Players around the league are learning that Brady to Chuck has a quite a temper if you piss him off. And he's been known to really run his mouth. And that's why we've really liked him this season because he's really been the pulse for this team. When he's on the ice, the team is 100% different than when he's mm-hmm. gone. Well, pure chaos. Mm-hmm. And Christian Yaros, I should have actually mentioned this right off the top. Uh, Christian Yaros, his first NHL goal. I didn't realize he hadn't scored yet in the NHL, Tim. Well, to be fair, he's... Also had an anchor named Borvietsky. That's true. And I think he's played with CC too, hasn't he? Yeah. Or am I he wrong? Had a, he had a really good game though. So like, mm-hmm. he was on the right side of the he was on the right side of the shots, right side of scoring, and yeah, he was a reward for playing a very good game. So it's good job, Christian Yaros. Yeah, and also I want to give a shout out to the Wild DJ because. I liked his music selection in this game. Mm-hmm. Played Disturbed after the Yaros goal, and he was playing some Monster Truck, which, I mean, I can't think of any podcast that would use Monster Truck as their theme song. Could you, Tim? Never heard of them. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently they're pretty cool, but, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe what some, are you to say? Exactly. Maybe some hockey podcast should use their songs as a theme. I feel like this joke's gone on too long. Yeah, well, let's head on to the next game. Sens versus Stars. This is a 6 to 4 Stars victory. Sens goals are scored by Ryan Single, the Chakamania, Max and Zach Smith. Stars goals are scored by Mira Iskinen with two, Gavin Bayreuther, Jamie Ben, Blake Kumu, and Taylor Fedden with his first NHL goal. Shots were 53 33 for Dallas. Dallas outplayed Ottawa throughout most of this game. Dallas came ready to play, playing a real solid defensive game and a strong defensive game, which stifled Ottawa, whose defense, once again, was nowhere to be found, despite having a somewhat solid offensive night. Let's talk about the rookies, because the rookies look absolutely incredible in this game. Chipot, two assists, Lejoie, one goal, and Tchuk with one goal. Well, they all, honestly, they're what's stirring the drink of this, sorry, this is what's stirring the team, to be honest. And throw in Colin White, who actually had a... What is Colin? Like, throw in Colin White, who's been fantastic this season. Yeah. And actually, one thing I didn't mention during the Minnesota game was that Ottawa looked better against Minnesota than than against Dallas. Oh, for sure. Like, Dallas was just running the score clock, and 
just really wore Ottawa down. Mm-hmm. And, like, kudos for the young players to just kind of keep playing through it, uh, especially when players that are supposed to be good or just, like, your, some who are supposed to be your leading ice time defensemen types, like Cody Ceci, are hot fucking garbage. Yep. And yes. I know that, and again, Craig Anderson, 48 saves, 906A percentage. I actually don't blame him for this night because a lot of, there's a couple of goals in this game. There's nothing he could have done on that. Like the first goal, nobody covered him. Uh, I think the second goal that went off Mark Stone, not much he can do on that. And really, the defense did not help him out in this game at all. Oh, like, the vast majority of shots that Dallas got were, like, of the five-alarm bell-type variety. Like, right in closer in the slot or just under the face-off dot. Like, prime scoring shots. Yeah, it's the defense did fucking nothing. Ottawa's, quote-unquote, good defensive forward, forwards. Cough, cough, Tom fucking Pyatt did shit all. I don't think Magnus Pajarv even got a shot this game. Like, how the fuck do you do that? Sorry, I didn't. I don't think he was even on the ice for a shot. Four. Like, how the fuck do you do that? I don't know. Like, they. What this team could use is uh, shooting the defense into the sun and just go to free agency and see what the hell you can pick up. It's or, obviously not. Fun. Or do what they do in the Simpsons: fire him out of a catapult. Yeah. Like, it's it's bad. Yeah. Like, Ottawa has an insane excess shots per hour when Cody Cece's on the ice. Same with Borvietsky. Like, Thomas Chajois has been a lot less impressive this season once he was anchored to goddamn Cece. Mm-hmm. Like, I really wish we could just dump... Like, I would take a sixth rounder in 2020 for Cody Cece at this point. Yeah, so would I. Like, get him off the ice. Like, hell, even take some third liner somewhere. It'll probably work out better. Yeah, maybe you're doing a package deal where you send Pyatt, CC, PRV to a team and get either some draft picks or get somebody who can actually play. Uh, better call up Peter Schra- Well, maybe we can get Adam Larson. I don't know. Do you really want that anchor on our team? Yeah, he's better than CC. That's true. Yeah, like Adam Larson isn't terrible. He's just not Jordan Eberle. No, it's true. Although, no, he's not Taylor Hall because he was the one who traded for yeah. Hall. You're yeah, thinking of Taylor uh, Brian Strom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's like, Adam Larson's not a bad defenseman. Definitely better than... I'd take him over CeCe. But, yeah, this team needs some defensive remediation, and it starts with getting rid of Cody fucking CeCe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he has some footage of an Uber ride or something. I don't know. Who knows? But then again, it's this team's defense is too shout. Like, even just getting rid of CeCe, is, it's addition by subtraction, but they need more. Exactly. And actually, the one comment I want to make before again, I got to give another shout out to the Stars DJ because, once again, I'm really happy with their selection of music of System of a Down and Pantera, who, fun fact for everybody, did the Dallas Stars Gold song. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any more comments you want to make before we head on to the close? Magnus Pay RB sucks. I'll accept it. Yeah. So I, I feel bad because I thought it was a low-risk signing, but he's just been hot dog shit this year. I know. It's like none of us saw that coming or anything. Yeah. What's well, him? Should we head off into the close for another night, bud? Yep. All right. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sense, guys. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Third Line Plug SenseCast. And because our bot Dave made the mention, we are on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91 Honey Badger, and I'm at Great White Gipster, G R A W I T E Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about how much hot shit Cody CC and Magnus PRV is, shoot us an email. Third Line Plug Sensecast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so 
For the games of the week, we've got four games on the schedule. We've got the Sens versus the Rangers, which is going on tonight. It's currently 1-1 in the third period. Tomorrow night versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Thursday versus the New York Rangers at home. And Saturday, our Lord and Savior is coming home. Sharks versus Senators. 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. <sighs> He's coming home. The matinees this season have been weird, but it'll be nice to see Carlson play again. I know. It's, Hopefully gonna, it's so weird seeing him in teal. Yeah. But it's fine. It's fine. It's, you know, it's fine, Tim. I like teal and silver. I don't fucking care. I'm not crying. You're crying. I'm not fucking crying, guys. But yeah. Goddamn Ninja if, Onions. If anyone deserves to look Although, to be fair, like, if anyone deserves to look up and down that bench, it's Carlson. Yep. Although, and here's a something that I really hope the Sens do. Opening face-off, Carlson's on the ice, fans give him a standing ovation. Mark Stone pulls the guys off center ice, and they all stand at the blue lane and tap their sticks in the ice for him. Yeah, I'd, I'd appreciate that. I would too, because they're not going to give him a fucking video tribute. That could be sure. Yeah, just bullshit. I know. I know. It's like you know he put in, gave us an empathy performance on one leg. Yeah. Well, what I don't get is it's like, why is this franchise trying to do? It's like, do they not realize that he was a fan favorite, and like a little bit of goodwill goes a long way. Tim. You're talking about the Ottawa Senators, or should I say, Eugene Melnick. Do you really yeah. think a lot of goodwill is going to go a long way with that guy? Do you not remember what happened last time? And the yeah, time before that? And the time before that? Yeah. It's so hard to cheer for this team. I know. At least, you know, at least you and I get to hang out every week and talk about it. Yeah, no kidding. It's almost like therapy at this point. Pretty much. Until next week, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. This has been Tim Jensen. Go Sens, guys. So long, my time here is up. They're going home!